I think Buffalo Gap, this game was a perfect example of just how much better Riverheads is than pretty much everybody else in here. Uh, they make teams look bad when teams aren't necessarily bad. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Lena McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Glad you are listening. I'm Joe Deck. Leland McRae with me as usual. And Leland, let's go ahead and dive right into high school football. It was the regular season finales last week. Riverheads in the big game. They trounced Stewart's draft 49-14 to in a game where, again, Riverheads just proves we are that much better than everybody else in this area. Yeah, they really do. And, and, Everybody will be able to hear Matt Hatfield from Virginia Preps talk more about this in the next segment. But, I mean, Riverheads is just on a historic kind of run here. I mean, they're just – they've won three state championships. They've been dominant in the Class 1 level ever since dropping back down to it. And uh, I, they're just showing how much better they are than one of the top teams in Class 2 last Friday night, beating them 49-14. And Draft's not a bad team. Draft's not a team that I would expect to get beat 49-14 by – really anybody like I wouldn't have just predicted that I think we started to predict draft would get beat by a margin here but I mean 21 was kind of like okay you know they're Riverheads will score late well they scored late <laughs> again and again you know yeah. so it's just Riverheads just is better than Stewart's draft they have a higher PowerPoint rank, ranking than any team in class two which but doesn't make the think, highest hey they're better than any Go yeah the, the highest team in class two is Stewart's draft yeah, they're still the highest two, the highest team. They just beat them. I'm not just saying that writes the the story that Riverheads no doubt is the number one team even in class two, but it puts them in that conversation. I don't see how you could deny that that Riverheads could very very much be a favorite in class two, uh, if not obviously contend for a class two championship. And and this year I, they're one of their strongest years they've had. The scary thing is you look at the roster. And man, they got a lot of guys coming back next year and a lot of guys contributing that'll be back on this roster next year, not dismissing the seniors that they'll lose. But when you see a program reload the way Riverheads does year after year, you can kind of shake the seniors off a little bit and say, man, they're going to be good next year. Because look who dominated that game Friday. Five touchdowns, you know, 200 plus yards, second week in a row. I mean, last week he had six touchdowns. Zach Smiley, and he's still a junior. And he just has that will to put the team on his back and get the first downs, get the tough yards, or just take it to the end zone on any given play. And so when you have the best player on the field, you're going to win a lot of games, and Riverhead's going to win a lot more games this season. Yeah, I mean, I would, if they were playing in Class 2, I'd say i predict them to win the Class 2 championship. I'm not going to say it as convincingly as I will the Class 1. Yeah, I'm not going to say it as convincingly as I would say they're going to win the Class 1 championship, which is every game by three scores but I do think they would win the class two championship. I mean, and I'm basing that on the fact that Stewart's draft is one of the favorites in class two. They have the highest power rating in class two heading into the postseason. Now, of course that doesn't mean yes, they're definitely going to win it, but they've got a good shot. And yeah. I just watched them totally dismantle this team uh, Friday night. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, if, if they're one of the best teams in class two, do I think Riverheads could win a class two championship? You bet. Yeah. In fact, I've said it. I think they can. I, yeah, I, I've said it before. I, just put their name on the class one trophy and then they'll play whoever wins the class two championship and see if they can win that. I mean, 
and uh, you know unite the titles or whatever you know like they do in wrestling <laughs> or whatever but i mean it's just it's just to me riverheads is just that much better now Stewart's draft they're in the playoffs like i said they're the highest rated team so they'll be at home if they keep winning they're at home all the way to salem uh which is a great accomplishment for Stewart's draft uh, a lot of people thought they were going to be good i think they exceeded a lot of people's expectations losing to riverheads hurts i'm sure but it's nothing to be ashamed of and you just got to you know put put uh, strap back up and get ready for next week in the playoffs and just go undefeated from here on out and you win a state championship. You don't have to play Riverheads. And, and they're capable. Yeah, you, you don't have to play Riverheads again, so it, just beat the teams that you have to play. They get a rematch against Buffalo Gap because Buffalo Gap beat Fort Defiance 40-21 to last week, and they're 6-4. and four. They're in the playoffs. Hats off to Coach Wygand. He did a lot of great stuff with Buffalo Gap this year, and that's why they're playing in the playoffs now. I mean, I'm pretty sure there was a clip somewhere where you said if they win four games, that's just on the goalpost. I believe you know? I said, yep. Yeah, you were going. I mean, and and they did that a couple weeks ago. I mean, they got their fourth win. Then. They should have tore down so the goalpost. Add on two more wins, getting in the playoffs. That's an accomplishment for that first year coach. And also, I don't think I think they go into this game with a little bit of confidence. They played draft tough just five weeks ago. And they're very familiar with Stewart's draft as a program. I know Coach Wigan's new there, but these kids have beat Stewart's draft before. They know what's up. Uh, Coach Floyd from Stewart's draft is only three and four against Buffalo Gap, being the head coach of Stewart's draft. So I give Gap a, a chance here. I know Stewart's draft's a high seed. I know they're one of the highest, but I just give Gap, hey, Gap's probably playing their best football at the right time. They're peaking at the right time. And I don't know if Stewart's draft is playing their best football right now. I think they were really impressive when they played Larray, but seeing them come play against Buffalo Gap and not completely handle that game, and then some of these scores down the stretch, and then they'll lost to Riverheads. I know it's probably more Riverheads than it is Stewart's draft. I just want to see how Stewart's draft reacts in this game. And I think the first half will tell you a lot. If Stewart's draft comes out firing and just puts this one out, then I'm probably more optimistic about their chances the rest of the way. But if they don't come out firing and it's kind of slow play, but then they get it together and then beat Buffalo Gap, I'm going to be hesitant about my deep predictions about Stewart's draft. So I'm just interested in what Buffalo Gap can do here. Buffalo Gap has nothing to lose. They're the eight seed. I mean, no one's expecting them to win. So you go out there and you just make it happen. And, you know, they, they have those runs with up the middle from Fitzgerald that work so well that Fort couldn't stop. You get another passing touchdown out of him, which he hasn't done a lot this year, but he did last time against Stewart's draft. You, you just stranger things have happened. Waynesboro as a 16 seed beat a one seed one time. Stranger things have happened. So I'm just interested very much so in this game, particularly what's happening in the first half, because I think that tells the story for the rest of the playoffs for Stewart's draft. Yeah, I think what happened to Stewart's draft this weekend was the worst thing that could have happened to Buffalo Gap. I think a close <laughs> loss <laughs> to Riverheads. A, that's the opposite of my point. Yeah, yeah, a I close mean, a close loss to Riverheads might have helped Buffalo Gap because Stewart's draft maybe loses back to back weeks. Thinking about that, all the things that went wrong, that could have been different to help them win. I think a win against Riverheads would have been even better for Buffalo Gap because then maybe Stewart's draft comes in overconfident. But the fact that they got humiliated at home on their senior night against Riverheads is going to be the worst thing in the world for them because now Stewart's draft is going to come out with something to prove and they're going to beat the snot out of Buffalo Gap, in my opinion. I don't think it's going to be close for a quarter. They could, but it will be the closest game played in Augusta County because Riverheads is playing around Hannock County. Uh, Yeah, God bless those kids. I mean, I think we say that sometimes, pick a number. I think Riverheads literally could just pick a number 
And uh, I think Coach Casto in the first half will be attempting not to score and, and to try to keep this reasonable. He's not going to punish these these kids because the system puts them in the playoffs. So he's not going to put 84 on them like Carr County did. He'll, they'll win. They'll they'll have a big <laughs> yeah, margin, but it it won't be uh, it won't be a hundred like some people might think. So mm-hmm. uh, the other game that happened in Augusta County this weekend, Wilson, that offense kept moving, and only one guy I think predicted that. That was me. Wilson won because their offense kept it going, playing the Stanton team that just never liked to play defense this entire season, and they continued it in the last game of the season when they actually had something to play for. They just came out and let Wilson run up and down the field, and uh, I think it's a great sign for Wilson for the future. These, I mean, the whole offense is basically back. Every guy that was getting the football in his hands, back on offense, so I think they're going to have a lot of chance for success next year offensively, and they just have to get that Wilson defense that we saw from four or five years ago kind of back closer to that at least, and to give themselves a chance. I think this is a team to watch in the preseason. I'm not going to sit here and say they're the you know, the second best team in the Shenandoah next year, but I will say I think they'll be improved on their record next year and should be looking for a playoff spot. Just to play devil's advocate, didn't we say that before this year? Everybody's returning. Uh, we did, but if uh, you know you and I's predictions didn't actually have them in the playoffs. Yeah, I don't think I would have them in the playoffs again. I do next year. Okay, we'll year. see. I like what I saw at the end of the season. Last year, we never saw this offensive explosion that they've had at the end of the year. I think they finally got it. Something finally clicked because they, they had a lot of points against a Buffalo Gap team that is a playoff team. They uh, A couple of weeks ago, they had a lot of points. They did well against Fort Defiance, who was right on the cusp of a football of being a playoff team. I like what the improvement they showed throughout the season, and I'm planning for that to continue. And, I'll, and I'm not saying they're going to win nine games next year. I'm just saying they're going to they're gonna be there around that 7-8 spot in the playoffs. We'll see. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I I think this is more to do with Stanton than Wilson. It's good that Wilson got the win. They're two and eight. Stanton's two and eight, and I would feel a lot better if I was a Wilson fan than a Stanton fan right now. But yes, um, Stanton's got to figure that out. I, they have got to figure something out. It, it cannot be Will Dodd. It cannot be all Will Dodd. That's what we know, and that's what it was this year. First time they missed the playoffs since like 2004, 14 straight years Stanton had made the playoffs. And uh, so they miss it this year. So Coach Phillips uh, has his work yeah, cut out expect- for him next year. It's going to be going to be a tough year. Expectations not being met. Will Dodd won't be there. It won't be Will Dodd next year. Yeah. Well, okay. So sure who do you go to? The only, yeah. The only other quarterback on the roster was another senior. Um, and I'm just not familiar enough with the with the deep roster there on who who's stepping in. Maybe it's the JV quarterback. I don't know. But uh, it'll be interesting. They do have some uh, – Stanton has carry back, uh, an outside threat. They have the Alston running back that I liked to watch run when he was running, when he wasn't injured. Uh, but, yeah, they got a lot to figure out. That's not a team that I'm sitting here saying is going to make the playoffs next year either. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see enough this year to draw from. Speaking of positives, uh, it's an 0-10 season, but Waynesboro did put up the most points they put all year in their final game of the year, 35-24 loss to Broadway. And, again, they were behind kind of big, but then they – Kind of stormed back a little bit, made that a little bit closer of a margin there. And uh, again, they put Second up 24 points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put up 24 points, which, you know what? Good for Waynesboro. It's it's good to see those kids didn't quit. Yeah, and they're going to lose that Jose Ruiz. Uh, mm-hmm. But otherwise, a lot of the um, guys that we saw getting the ball early in the season, Birch and Baber, those guys are going to be back. So uh, hopefully they grow. They've learned a lot. You know, Barber's only a freshman, so uh, he has a lot of time to grow. So I, I'm hopeful for the Little Giants. But we're talking about 
you know, getting better and all this. I just hope they have enough to keep the program alive because they were on yeah. the edge of that yep. this year. Um, I hope maybe something here at the end of the season, people saw enough fight in them, uh, gave them a little respect, and they come on out there and, and play for them. They got to go get the other athletes in the school. They're playing other sports. You got to get them to play football too. That's where it starts. Hopefully they can do that. We will take a deeper dive into the high school playoffs with Matt Hatfield later in this podcast. So right now we're going to take it over to high school volleyball. Fort Defiance beat Wilson Memorial in the 3C semifinals. So Fort Defiance punches their ticket into the Class 3 state playoffs. Uh, Good for the Fort Defiance Indians getting that win. And uh, you know what? For Wilson, it means that their season is over, but still a very good season for the Green Hornets. Uh, Fort will be playing Rustburg, by the way, on Tuesday night. So you'll probably already that match will already have been played by the time you're listening to this. Probably we're wishing the Indians the best of luck there in the three seed championship. So they can get that highest seed possible into the state. But either way, as Patrick Height said last week, Fort Defiance never made that state tournament, even in their strongest years right. with Megan Good there. And he kind of had given up on that idea. So, uh, I mean, there's something to be said there. They have a lot of talent there. Painter, uh, district player of the year, coach uh, Leonard there, coach of the year in the district. Um, they're playing for a lot. And uh, hopefully they can represent our district, show how strong we are in volleyball because that's been shown all year. Um, and uh, hopefully they can go go deep into state, you know, win, it, win a state game and see what happens from there. Um, so, uh, yeah, Wilson just – it's a tough region. And that's, that's what you know. And uh, they are right there. They – they played Fort Defiance tough each time they played them this year. They split with Riverheads. Wilson's a good program. They'll rebound. They'll be strong yeah. again next year. Uh, but, yeah, it just shows how how strong that Region 3C is. Um, every other team in the district is happy they don't have to play in that 3C. Speaking of states, Riverheads will be punching <laughs> their ticket to a state playoff as well. As they swept Alta Vista 3-0 in the region semifinals, they will get Rappahannock County on Wednesday night in the region championship. But, in that first round against Augusta Regional Governor's School, uh, 75 to 9 total. So yeah. nine points for like the entire two, match. 25 5, 25 2. It was an absolute rocking. Uh, and then this Alta Vista, those were a little bit closer. The second game, I think, was real close, you know, around yeah, 25 they had to, each. But then 26 24, the I think they had to go. Like, and that's like 25 4 and last. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But so it was, a, a, you know, Riverheads is very good. And they they went and made it the state championship last year. They're trying to get back. Yeah, so Riverheads will be looking for two wins against Rappahannock County this week. Uh, one in volleyball, one in football. Yeah. Our two class uh, two them, teams. One of them for sure is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully both. But Hopefully both. One. Definitely one. Um, class two teams: Stanton lost in straight sets to Larray, and Buffalo Gap lost in four sets to East Rock. So their seasons ended earlier in the first round of the Class 2B tournament. That means all the Class 2 team seasons are over in Augusta County. Yeah, and Stanton's not too far removed from being a, a pretty good force in Class 2. Uh, Jennifer Williams playing good volleyball at Virginia Tech now, uh, and that's probably could be cited as one of the reasons they're not as good is because their best players have moved on yeah. uh, up to the college ranks. So uh, they're kind of in rebound, uh, rebound, reload mode there at Stanton, and uh, I bet they do you know, get volleyball going back a little bit stronger than we saw this year um, with about a 500 record. So uh, hopefully uh, they're able to do that and uh, increase how good our district is. I think next year it'll be a, a very good district again, and I, I could see Stanton – uh, jumping up to be a little bit better and even stretch their app. They're not far removed from being pretty good. So I, I, I think improvement will happen particularly with those two teams. Yeah. 
Moving on to college football, uh, let's start with the game you went to, Leland. Uh, Virginia Tech versus Wake Forest. Uh, this was a game that early on the offense struggled mightily to the point where I was getting worried and I was maybe reading a little too much into things. In the second half, they opened it up a little bit more. But in the first half, it looked to me like Hinden Hooker was maybe scared to run the ball. Uh, he was sitting in the pocket, just really missing receivers. But then in the second half, he got a little bit of confidence and the running game really opened up. Uh, he started to take off and run more. And this, I, I know you were at the game, so you didn't hear the commentary, but the entire game we were hearing about Wake Forest. They have the greatest offense in the country, basically. I know some of that is just selling what you're, what the product is, but really you would have thought Tom Brady was leading this Wake Forest offense the way they were talking about this quarterback. And I was not impressed. We pretty much controlled them. So it's like a Matt Ryan thing when when Virginia Tech played uh, Boston College back and it was a rainy game. Apparently the broadcast then was just all Matt Ryan, all Matt Ryan, all Matt Ryan. Yeah, but then at least he beat we us. Won this game. Yeah, but then he beat <laughs> us. Yeah, so at least that was justified. And he was really good. This kid's not getting drafted, especially in the first round. So whatever. Wake Forest was a fake top 25 team. I'm glad we were able to keep them in the top 25 long enough to play them. We beat them. You know who else is a fake 25, top 25 team? Yeah, we. you missed your chance last week. Um, but we pounded <laughs> Wake Happy Forest. State. We pounded Wake Forest into oblivion and kept our ability to control our own destiny. UVA controls their own destiny. We control our own destiny. Uh, and it really looks like that Friday night game after Thanksgiving is going to decide the Coastal. Yeah, and... I, who would have thought after that two game? I mean, we we were right. It was the a quarterback switch, though. I didn't, I didn't think the quarterback switch was going to happen. I didn't think yeah. Justin Fuente was going to look in the mirror and say, I made a mistake. And he has. And I think he's quoted that even mm-hmm. today uh, from the presser. He um, hasn't said what that mistake is, but we know. Yeah. He j- I, I, you know what? I, I'm gaining some respect back. We're not going to be there. I'm not completely happy with him. He's on a probation period. But. At least I'm. It's not as dreary as I thought it was going to be. Uh, going back to the game, that first half offense was frustrating to watch. Um, I'm not just some of our play calling is just that's it's just not using our players to their best ability, and I and that dates back to even when we didn't have the right quarterback and we just didn't mm-hmm. call the right stuff for who we have on the field. But we were better in the second half, and that's not something that we have grown accustomed to in this regime at Virginia Tech. So that was awesome to see. And this isn't the only week it's been that way. I think Notre Dame, we were pretty solid in the second half and and uh, other games. So we need more of that. I like that. Continues to show the fight in our team. Continues to show that we haven't lost the team and guys aren't caring. So I, I like that. I'll talk more about the whole atmosphere of that game later, but it, it reminded me of the old school. In a, in a nice ACC win in the afternoon on a Saturday, it was just awesome to be there awesome to see it and uh it really meant a lot so now we're one win away from our bowl needs and i think we can get it this week georgia tech not a great team i think we get it nail it down georgia tech isn't playing their crazy offense that we're used to having to go up against i think we are able to take it on this week i think bud has it going with his defense again and uh we take care of the bowl game aspect and then we then we're playing for coastal spot, uh, you know, coastal top spot and a uh, pit game. There's going to be toughness there. UVA game. We've already talked so many times about how it's going to be tough. We have time to break it down coming up. So uh, I'm hopeful about the rest of the way. And it's, it's just it's just a 360 or a 180 from where we were uh, 
what, six weeks ago. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Talking about UVA, they played Georgia Tech this week or, or played played Georgia Tech this week. They won. It was a tight game, but that's ACC football. So I'm not going to read so much into that because we might have a tough game with Georgia Tech, even though I think we're going to win. But coming up for UVA, they have a bye. They play Liberty, which traditionally you would think is a win. So I kind of like it that, you know, UVA can kind of take their rest, uh, be on their heels here in November, uh, have a bye, have a Liberty game. I hope it goes easy for them. And then we come in and smack them in the mouth. That's what I'm hoping for. And uh, that would be just fine with me. Obviously, when we get to the game, I'm probably going to be in Joe Town and, you know, the world's going to come to an end and we're going to lose. But I'm, I'm preparing myself for that. Last year, I thought they had it. Somehow we won that game. Um, UVA earlier in the season was much better than we were, but I think things have evened out if maybe not tilted our way since then, but I'm hopeful we can get in that game, win it. And, uh, if that, if that, at that time, it means we go to the coastal, uh, we win the coastal, we go play Clemson. Great. If not, I'll be happy. We're going to a bowl game either way. Let me tell you this. Um, cause you weren't, you were at the game, which was the better place to be, but my brother came over, we watched the game and then we had the LSU Alabama game on another TV. Um, but I said after that wake forest game, and even at halftime, I looked at my brother and I was like, the frustrating thing is I think we're better than wake forest. We just haven't shown it. And then the second half when we did show it and we destroyed them, I just looked at him and I was like, you know what? We are going to beat those punk losers in Charlottesville so bad. I cannot wait for that game. We are going to win the Coastal <laughs> because we finally put our actual best Look quarterback. We finally put our actual best quarterback in the starting position. He is QB1. Ryan Willis is so far an afterthought. They barely beat Georgia Tech, who I do not respect. <laughs> we are going to rock Georgia Tech's world. We are going to destroy them. This team is playing for Bud Foster right now. That defense is lights out. Bryce Perkins is going to get destroyed. Their offensive line is might as well be a giant block of Swiss cheese with as many holes as they have in it because we're going to rip through there. We're going to take Bryce Perkins down in Blacksburg East, a.k.a. Scott Stadium, and just absolutely demolish their souls. I, hate, I, I absolutely hate you calling it Blacksburg East. I know we show up. It's a road game. We show up there. That's not our town. That ain't like our town. Blacksburg is awesome. I'm not a big fan of that town. So it ain't Blacksburg. Well, we're going to crush. We're going to crush their coastal dreams right in front of their faces. Love it. Thank goodness they have Thanksgiving on Thursday because on Friday, they're not going to have a single thing to be thankful for when we're done with them. They are going to be done and they're going to go to some cheapskate bowl game and get humiliated there, too, probably, because, again, I just don't think they're that good. My question is, do you root for Liberty this weekend? I mean, I, I, I think it's or next weekend. Weeks, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. I always root against UVA. That's a standard. So that's, that's easy <laughs> enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it, the, the vigor of my rooting might not be as high with it being Liberty, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, if the, if the Patriots play UVA, I'm, I'm rooting for the Patriots. So mm, interesting. <laughs> it's number one on my list, man. JMU, Jeff, we love you. They, um, yeah, I just want to. I wanted. I just want to say that after my UVA take there, <laughs> but he's hitting the record button. Coming <laughs> back in your face. He is. Please. He is gonna. Yeah, he's writing it all down. <laughs> he's putting it in a tweet. He's gonna blast me on Twitter. It's fine. <laughs> JMU. Uh, they played New Hampshire. Uh, they beat them uh, handedly. And uh, next week they're gonna play some other. I think they play Richmond, and they'll probably rock them. I just. 
under the awareness of what JMU is doing, I feel is so much less this year just because of the TV factor. The TV factor is part of it. And here's another part. I know people were complaining because technically we were losing at one point in the game. And then it's a top 10 FCS matchup and all the students left. Let me help you out. This game was being played the same time, A, Virginia Tech Wake Forest is being played. And guess what? I know this is going to come as a shock, but there are some JMU students who also like Virginia Tech, me included. Um, And then here's the other problem you have. Alabama LSU is being played at the same time. And when you want to move up to FBS, I'll listen. You'll have an actual TV contract. It won't be with something called Flow Sports. It will be with ESPN Plus or some other actual provider that people can get easy access to and will actually churn out a quality product. And then I will pay attention. And guess what? You keep wanting, I saw some clown of a post on Twitter, we're playing Virginia Tech in 2025. They should have to come to us. Never will they ever until you move up to FBS. You know why Virginia Tech went to Norfolk? Because ODU is FBS. Recruit 757, yeah. Move up to FBS, give them a reason. I mean, even then they'll be hesitant to come down to Harrisonburg because you already own this footprint. Like 757, you're competing pretty hard, but going up the valley an hour and a half away. I think they go to Liberty not too long from now. Well, Liberty probably paid them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly i I'd i'm my point the is my point is they're if they're FBS traveling before, to liberty tech goes to jmu yeah if sure. they're traveling to liberty if they're traveling to odu the only way you get them to entertain the idea is being fbs until then stop talking about anybody fbs coming to your stadium because it's never going to happen because you don't matter if they're an FBS, too, we'll get to see their games on national TV because they'll probably have the ESPN contract with whatever conference they're in where they're playing on during yeah. the week, even some, some, not every week, but some. So that would be there. That's an advantage. You just I mean, don't you matter. Can... You don't matter. No one cares about the FCS national championship. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Nobody in the national eyes cares. Well, I swear, I, I think JMU fans don't care because all they talk about beating Virginia Tech a while ago. Oh All right, gosh. Yeah. Bridgewater won. That means they make the playoffs. I'm happy about it. I yeah. know we're talking lower levels football, but at least D3 football is not trying to pretend to be. Exactly. D1 they're football. not trying they to pretend anything they they're not. Yeah. And good for them. They got the automatic bid. They got the automatic bid. They could get a buy if they keep on this winning. So rooting for Bridgewater to do as, as well as possible. Keep on winning. Stay undefeated. That'd be great. Let's talk about NCAA basketball. Virginia Tech. We talked last week. Uh, because we were on, we recorded right after they beat Clemson. We were happy about that. Went on to win Friday versus Coppin State. This week they have South Carolina Upstate and Lehigh. I'm not sure if they have to change their name too. But an, a week of growing and learning about themselves. Uh, hopefully, should be two good wins for the Hokies, and uh, you know keep rolling. They got some tough games coming up. Uh, they have a Thanksgiving tournament. Uh, but I, I like, you know, I'm sitting where I was at last week. I'm, I'm basically for the same reason. I I can't ask for anything more than what we're getting out of the Hokies. Yeah, just do really good until you play Michigan State. And then UVA, pray. Yeah, UVA, they beat Syracuse in a terrible game to watch. They beat JMU in a game that... I couldn't wife, believe that JMU couldn't pull that win. I mean, they were <laughs> tight there. <laughs> yeah. They were tight there for a little bit because everybody's tight with UVA for a little bit, it seems like, because that just that style of play that it just holds scoring down for both teams. Uh, but then, yeah, JMU got dominated in the second half. My wife, the JMU grad, didn't really care to watch because, A, she knew JMU was going to lose. 
and B, she never really watches the guys' JMU team. But C, UVA makes those games so dreary to watch that that we don't watch them. So uh, UVA, they only have one game this week against Columbia. Should be a win. Um, but in-state schools looking pretty good so far, even though they played each other. JMU won their opener, lost to UVA. They played George Mason this week, which is an interesting game. A note there for some local listeners, if you don't know, Justin Kyer, who played at Spotswood, who plays at George Mason, he's out for the season with a season-ending injury. I believe he's redshirting to keep his year of eligibility. So uh, just if you turn into that game and, and don't see Kyer, that's why. Um, but, yeah, getting started here in basketball, and I love basketball season. I, I just love it always on the TV, every night. It's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Um, JMU's going to lose George Mason. Um, Lewis Rowe's not a good coach, uh, so whatever. He'll get fired after this year, hopefully, and we'll hire a real basketball coach. The last time uh, they were on the cusp of firing somebody, that's when he like, got him to the tournament, and when they got Brady, like, snuck him in the tournament. Oh, the yeah, well, we're picked to finish bottom a couple years. Fourth couple in the CAA? Years fourth in the CAA somebody even thought a couple people thought we were going to win so sure yeah why not I got news for you unless they disqualify two more CAA schools that are at the top of the conference for it being academically ineligible again it's not going to happen all right let's go to NFL the skins had a bye so they didn't lose they play the Jets next week it's going to be sad when they do lose to them You're I think Ravens, they can beat man. the. I think they can beat the Jets the Jets aren't very good They're capable of winning but will they who knows ravens look good i don't i hate saying it every week but man they look good yeah man bengals are done they're done finley's done we ruined his career career <laughs> over for finley the bengals better draft a qb man that game was i didn't watch the whole game so a friend of the podcast rob came over and we'll talk about the reason he was over later but we watched red zone and after telling me that I have ruined football for him now because he has been exposed to red zone and doesn't know how he's going to watch football again. He didn't know what red zone was. He knew what it was, but he never had it. So he never watched it. And now that I he mean, had watched it, it's different. It is a game changer. I didn't have it. I had never watched red zone until this my year, marriage, my first year of marriage. So yeah, it, it's, it's a game changer. It yeah. is a game changer, but this game, Look, again, Lamar's good. I was wrong. Lamar Jackson is really, really good. Now my only concern is, can he stay healthy? If he does stay healthy, I'm not saying we win the AFC, but we are one of the better teams in the AFC. And who knows what happens when the playoffs come rolling around. Yeah, I, I'll i take anybody but the Patriots. The Ravens aren't really my first choice. I would much rather the Chiefs kind of be in that spot. Uh, but uh, I don't love the Chiefs. I like them better than the Ravens myself. But, no, I'm saying um, I don't like their odds. I'm not saying anything about, you know, whether I like Pat no. Mahomes or anything, but they have not looked great recently. Yeah, I'm hoping they get it going here at the end. Um, Steelers continue to win. Uh, it takes, you know, Hall of Fame kickers to miss and Super Bowl runner-ups to just play terrible. But we continue to win with our with our backups in, um, and we beat the Rams this weekend. Uh, play the Browns Thursday. Uh, those Thursday games can be sloppy. I like us in a sloppy game against the Browns, but the Browns have a lot of talent in that team. And once they get it together, like they kind of did this last weekend, they they could make a little bit of noise. They're not going to make the playoffs or anything, but they could knock off some teams. And uh, so hopefully that's not what happens Thursday. Yeah, in a weird way, even though the Steelers have the better record, and I hate the Steelers, 
I'm kind of rooting for them to beat the Browns just because I don't want the Browns to start getting momentum in the right way. I do feel like the Steelers are cobbling things together and eventually that card's going to fall apart. But if the Browns start to get hot and actually start to believe in themselves, that's when I would start to get worried about the Browns again. So I kind of want the Browns to lose and immediately have all hope destroyed. It is interesting that everybody had Tomlin, you know, getting out of Pittsburgh one way or the other a couple weeks ago when injuries had dismantled this team. I think he's showing, you know, he's not just a pushover coach. He's not just a rah-rah guy. He's doing what it takes to pull these guys together and and get them get them playing, making the right decisions, you know, the staff included, uh, and getting them what they need to do. So I, I'm I reinvigorated about Tomlin. I, I'm a Steelers fan, so I'm not used to changing head coaches very often. But uh, it seems like, you know, he's showing his worth pretty well. Yeah. All right, let's get out of here to the B block and get Matt Hatfield on here so he can tell us all things VHSL playoffs. That's why we didn't really hammer on that earlier because you're going to hear a lot of it coming up because we have a lot of good questions for him. Here on the Yak Sports Podcast, we're welcoming back to the Yak Sports Podcast Matt Hatfield, uh, Virginia Preps extraordinaire. Uh, and he's going to tell us all about these playoffs happening in class one of course riverheads the team from augusta county they're undefeated in the regular season they have the highest power rating of any team in 1a and or 2a yeah uh and (laughs) they were the favorites coming in it would be hard to think that they're not the favorites now matt uh who do you think poses the greatest threat to riverheads Boy, another great year for Robert Casto and his Gladiators guys. I mean, every game they've won by 17 points or more. I think the greatest threat is going to come outside of Region 1B. And granted, they, you know, you look at a William Campbell who's a three seed. You know, five and five records a little deceiving. They've played up some higher classification schools. And I like what Coach Brogan's doing over there. He's got a couple of juniors to watch out for and Jeremiah Smith and Zakia Towns. But I would look at uh, two teams in particular. I look at Essex out of Region 1A and Galax out of Region 1C. Now, there is another, actually two undefeated teams uh, in Class 1 that I wouldn't sleep on, either in Narrows, Kelly Lowes, Green Wave have had a really good year, and um, Patrick Henry Glade Spring, who's unbeaten out of Region 1D. But Galax and Essex are two schools that are familiar with making deep playoff runs. They're experienced groups. They don't rebuild. They reload. Uh, Ashton Ashlock, the quarterback for Essex, could really pose some problems, not just for Riverheads, but anybody at the Class 1 or I dare say Class 2 level, the way he's throwing the football right now. He threw uh, four touchdown passes against a Rappahannock team. who's pretty darn good. Um, and he's got a really dangerous, dynamic wide receiver in Avante Banks who can take a hitch and go 50 yards. So I'd keep an eye out for them. And then Galax under Mark Dixon, a former uh, NFL offensive lineman of the Miami Dolphins, they can play ground and pound. Nobody else can play ground and pound with Riverheads the way Galax could. And I think they will. So they match up the best with them. And that was a team I watched out for, or I circle, I should say, guys, going back to the preseason, if you recall. And their only loss this year came to a class three school in Northside, who's got a lot of talent, 42 to 28. They've won every other game pretty handily, with the exception of their season opener with Glenver, a class two school who could be dangerous. They won that one 32 29 in the season opener. If their defense plays the way it's played since October, not before October, they stand at puncher's chance against the Riverheads. Talking about Riverheads for a second, I think, you know, all of our local listeners, you know, either they're a Riverheads fan or they're tired of hearing about Riverheads. But, I mean, I think it's worth mentioning. I mean, this is a historic run that's happening right here. And I think people in this area just are kind of used to Riverheads winning so much. 
maybe not three in a row like they've just done, but talk about how Riverhead kind of sits historically and kind of the, the other teams that they would get compared to with this kind of run that they're on. Well, it's an interesting uh, point there, Leland, because I think they have the, the way they've done this here. And then the whole, you go back to Robert Casto, we thought he was going to leave. He comes back here. And ordinarily I could take a school, whether it be at a class six or class one level, and you'd say, they're going to have a couple of hiccups, and this team hasn't missed a beat, and they arguably have gotten better as this run has gone along. I think they're going to stack up historically with some of the great teams. I mean, you look at, I think recently, you just got to go back to that Alta Vista team a few years back that, that did it in football and basketball with the Johnson twins, Demetrius and Darius and Michi Malbach, and then Juan Thornhill who's now playing and making an impact in the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs after starring in Alta Vista in football and basketball, and then earning uh, all conference honors and becoming one of the best defensive backs in the country at the University of Virginia. And this Riverheads team has a lot of good players, both sides of the ball. I mean, you go down the list of guys from Zach Smiley to, I mean, just anybody, but they don't have that FBS stud guy that say Alta Vista had with a Juan Thornhill. So to me, that makes it more impressive because you look at what like Highland Springs is doing right now. They have a chance to literally complete this five-peat and win their fifth consecutive state title, which would put them in sole possession of the record in Virginia High School League history. Nobody else has done that. You look at uh, Phoebus and Hampton, the only other two schools to win four in a row, and they could actually get their winning streak up to 44 games, and the state record was set by Phoebus a few years back with 53 in a row, and that program has 22 Division I offered kids on their roster. Riverheads doesn't have a Division I kid on its roster that's, you know, a high-profile player. I mean, you look at Holland Springs, they've got a kid in Malcolm Green committed to LSU in the secondary. And I, I don't think – I mean, they're playing at a lower level. I get that. But that, to me, that makes me more impressed because they're not doing it with a factory of stud athletes. They have to do it with this system and their discipline, their fundamentally sound. Certainly, certainly um, Holland Springs is disciplined and fundamentally sound, but it's a lot easier when you have some of those stud athletes, whereas you've got to kind of groom these guys from day one. And it is – I don't think you'll see another run like this for quite a while. Moving on to class two, Matt, you know, Stewart's draft, they're a very highly rated team in class two. They actually, surprisingly, when the power ratings came out to me after the loss to Riverheads, they held on to what would be home field advantage all the way through the postseason, uh, not only just region B. What do you measure Stewart's draft chances of being able to get to Salem and win a state championship? Um, I think, and I've said this from day one, that really class two is the total crap shot region. I've, I've used all my hats hits on Twitter throughout the course of the year that it's the chaos division. We've literally had three or four different teams in the number one spot in the state. Um, Stewart's draft has been really one of the bigger surprise teams this year with that great run until the loss through Riverheads. And um, I, I mean, it could be anybody any given week there. I mean, we have, we've had Graham, the defending champ up there. We've got an old Dominion commit in Devin Lester. We've had literally Appomattox up there. They lost a couple games early. Uh, Ridgeview with Trenton Atkins, who's on pace to set records, and he's a 2,000-plus yard back who's got several scholarship offers from even Power 5 schools. Um, he's the high-profile guy, but, but high profile guy, but you wonder about the depth beyond them. Um, I'd say that you put them in that bag of six to eight teams, and you all give them about 15 to 20% chance. That doesn't sound like much, but then again, you look inside their region, and I think their region is going to be very competitive here. I mean, Lorraine and Strasburg, whoever you draw in the second round, should they get past Buffalo Gap? That's a competitive game. I mean, Clark County, you cannot sleep on them with Peyton Rutherford. They obviously have a, a tricky game with East Rockingham. Donnie Coleman's 
a good coach. They lost Juwan Evans from last year, but they've kind of turned the corner a little bit here in the second half of the season. And then Buckingham County, a 9-1 team that I would circle as a watch-out for team. They're a squad that beat Appomattox earlier this year and one that could be really dangerous here in this bracket. So they have the one seed. They're coming off a loss. I want to see how their defense responds. Um, but I'm not totally sold that they're the definite favorite in that bracket. It, it might be Buckingham, guys, whose only loss was to Goochland 17-13 in overtime back in week two after beating Appomattox. And since then, they've reeled off eight in a row and done so rather comfortably. Now they're stepping up in competition in this region. So that one's uh, a very wide-open bracket in my eyes. Yeah, so you mentioned Buckingham, and that's – you know, when Leland and I have been talking about Region B and Stewart's draft's chances and the team that would kind of alarm us the most, that's the team we go to because they're the unknown for us. They're the unknown for draft. Uh, they're new. No one knows about them. Uh, so for people that want a little more about Buckingham, is that something, you know, I, I know you mentioned they beat Appomattox, and that is, mm-hmm. you know, the jewel of Class 2 for the past few years. Yeah, I mean, this is a program that's kind of been building to this point. Um, defense, offense, special teams, all three phases have been pretty rock solid for them. Um, I look at them, and I don't see a lot of flaws with them. I think they're good up front. Um, the Goochland game, it's interesting, that game was an overtime game, and Goochland was coming off um, either the week before or it was two weeks before that, a loss to Lafayette rather handily, and that was mm-hmm. a, a dogfight type of game. So I think the thing with them is they're comfortable playing either in a high-scoring game like when they beat Northumberland 57-30 to or a low-scoring slugfest type of game. So their versatility of being able to win a couple of different ways is something that would jump out at me as – I don't know if I'd say worrisome is the word for, say, a Stewart's draft, but Stewart's draft's got to get back on the horse and just forget about that Riverhead's loss. It's, to me, it's very comparable, though. A lot of the listeners may not follow them as closely. Stonebridge Broad Run. Stonebridge has played Broad Run in a, in a rivalry game up in Northern Virginia. It's been for years and years and years, two teams that have always been in the state title hunt. And they got beat pretty soundly 35-21, but I look at Stonebridge's bracket – and I say they have an easier path, not an easy path, but easier path to the state finals than maybe Broad Run does. And they got beat through the air. And they just got to say, look, we're not seeing a Riverheads. Wash that game. You already were in. It doesn't matter now. So the biggest thing is to have a short-term memory and just bounce back here with a strong effort against Buffalo Gap. Honestly, that game is going to tell us a lot, just the way of their psyche and mentality yeah. off the loss. Yeah, I agree with that. They played tight earlier this season. And now with Stewart's trying to come off the loss, I agree with you completely. I think – that first half of that game can really tell you a lot about how Stuart Strauss rebounded. Um, who, who's your just absolute, like, if you had to pick who's winning class two, what name are you throwing at me? Ooh, that's a great question. It's funny you guys asked it because a buddy of mine was asking me my picks for all six divisions about a half hour before we begin this conversation. I'd say what, if I had to pick one, and I'm really torn just picking only one. And I loved Radford before they had the injuries with, uh, Pearson Prelude, son PJ, the former NFL player going down. They were kind of my team I was circling. Adkins is the best player in the field from Ridgeview. Graham's a defending champ as a three seed. I'm going to go with Appomattox. I mean, they were program at one, three in a row before. Doug Smith's got a great team, and Trey Long at quarterback can be a difference maker. So I'm going to go with them, but if you tell me Glenver beats them in the second round, it won't shock me in the least bit because it is a really wide-open bracket. I will tell you this. I feel like the state champ's going to come out of 2C or 2D more than I feel like it's going to come out of 2A or 2B. Interesting. All right. Looking at three, uh, class three, all our region 3C teams uh, weren't able to make it to the playoffs. We have some teams to the north of us uh, that we are all very familiar with, Spotswood, Rockbridge County, actually to the south, and then Turner Ashby. Uh, talk about 3C a little bit and who you, uh, how you see 3C playing out. 
Well, I mean, I got to give first off a salute to uh, Chris Frazier there at Turner Ashby. What a year they've had yeah. here. I mean, goodness gracious, the, the season that if people haven't been pitching close enough around the stand, they have in, in your neck of the woods, uh, Grant Swinehart with over 1,600 yards rushing and 22 touchdowns. He's the real deal, having just a tremendous year for them. And their only losses have been very close games. The Rockbridge game by three, Harrisonburg, Spotswood. The Stanton game was the one that was the head scratcher for me. Uh, Team Lord Bonathot yeah. would be rather handily, but I mean, ultimately they've been in close games. So I feel like they got to feel like they're just a player two away if they are able to advance and get that matchup, potentially the second round matchup with Heritage of Lynchburg, the reigning state champs, who comes in as the favorite. You know, spots would go back to something we talked about in the preseason, guys. Now can they get over this playoff hurdle? They've had a remarkable year, first 10 and 0 season in 28 years. And Ethan Barnhart coming off of just a remarkable game to close out the regular season, 2,000 yards rushing. They can do it through the air uh, by ground. They did have the one close game with Turner Ashby. It was closer than I anticipated, but I like their their path to a, I think it's going to be a, a championship game with them and Heritage of Lynchburg. And I watched Heritage of Lynchburg against EC Glass a couple weeks back, and they seem to have kind of their championship swagger back. If Spotswood can force the young quarterback, Cameron Burgs, who's going to be a good one. He's not Jabari Blake, but if they can force them to throw the ball on third down and keep them out of third and short situations, they have a legitimate chance to win that game. But I would give the slight advantage, and I'd say it's a 55-45-60-40 advantage for Heritage in that game. But if they can force them to throw the ball on third downs, uh, they can come out with a victory in that game and keep this unbeaten dream season alive. So looking overall at Class 3, uh, who are, you know, I'm going to make you pick one team again. Who's who's your favorite out of class three? Well, it would have been Lord Botetot, who has been in the number one spot pretty much the whole season. But the injuries, and they haven't deserved to drop because they haven't lost. They put a tough schedule. Jamie Harless's crew out there in Daleville has been knocking on the door for years. But they've had just a rash of injuries these last two, three years. And, and arguably their most dynamic a player and valuable player has been out the whole year in Evan Eller. They do have Hunter Rice in the back that was good, but to me, it's Hopewell. Hopewell's got to get out of a very, very tough region 3A that features uh, past state champions like a Phoebus High, a Lafayette Norcom are very good. York is a quiet 10 or no as the two seed, um, but Hopewell has the most uh, impressive junior player in our state and Trevion Henderson, who has over 40 touchdowns this year. He has offers from Alabama, LSU, and Tennessee, and um, people that have watched him, even some regional analysts with us at Rivals say he might be the closest thing the state has seen to a Percy Harvard. I put him more in the Daz Newsom category, who's now playing at UNC out of Hampton High. But nonetheless, he is breathtaking if you watch him play. And if you have a player of that ability, their defense is rock solid. They won the state title two years ago. Um, if they get out of the region, I feel like Hopewell can get it done. But I would also circle Heritage Lynchburg and um the likes of Lord Botetourt to watch out for. And if spots would get them, they could be a sleeper dark horse in this whole thing. Looking at class three, the one last note I had was, uh, you know, Gitchland looked appeared to be all set up to play Warren County and Warren County late Monday, I guess it was announced that they're going to not play Goochland. They're going to, um, I, I guess not forfeit, but independence is going to take their spot in the playoffs. I mean, what's going on there? I don't know. It's, it's, it's a great question. And, you know, the week before the team that was scheduled to play Goochland decided that, and it was actually, I heard from the Goochland administration that they were trying to get them to play the game on their senior night. So that is, that is wild. And I will tell you this about Independence High School. It's a brand new school. RJ Windows is the coach, came over from Stonebridge as the defensive coordinator. They just put up 88 points two weeks ago on Parkview Sterling. And for a first year school, they've been putting up some 
dazzling offensive numbers with a sophomore quarterback and a sophomore wide receiver. Uh, I'd watch out for them in the years to come. I don't know that Independence is equipped defensively, given they gave up 35.3 points per game during the season to slow down at Goochland, uh, head, head, headlined by Devin McRae. But Independence is a school. Remember this. You heard it here that in the years to come, I think they're going to make a deep playoff run because they got a great athlete pool up there in Northern Virginia, and um, they're going to be scary to watch out for because they've shown some good things on offense. If they just get the defense and the depth figured out and all those guys come back next year, I'll look out for them. So that is interesting. They're going to take that spot. So I have a question before we get to one of the – I got a surprise question I'm going to spring on you. Um, <laughs> class 4 – Region C does things a little differently since they only have two districts. They take the top four in each district and pair them off uh, so where the districts won't play each other in the first round. But that means my alma mater, Sharando, they're going to Tuscarora. What kind of chances do you give them to get the win over there at Tuscarora? I think they have a little bit better chance than you, than, than you may think. Um you know, Darius Lane's had a great year. They've been in a lot of close games this season. You know, a year ago, they were led by Hunter Ensminger, and then he got hurt in the playoff mm-hmm. run. I thought they were better equipped to make a state championship run last season than they didn't have Ensminger and lost that game to Woodgrove. But they've been consistently scoring here. And the last few games, their defense has kind of gotten some things figured out. Peyton Bauer at linebacker is a terrific player. Um, I do feel like Tuscarora up front on the offensive and defensive line is going to pose some challenges for them. If they can hold up in the third and fourth quarter, convert some short yardage situations, get a couple of takeaways and score off of them, they got a chance. They got to play this game from in front. I don't think you want to play from behind against Tuscarora because they're the type of team that are disciplined, fundamentally sound. They're going to make tackles. They're not going to beat themselves a lot of mistakes that they'll be able to come from behind on and beat. And, um, their, their games outside of the Martinsburg game out of West Virginia, they've been in you know pretty much every game this year in front handily or won it close. So um, the one lost Liberty built in the course by seven, but and Millbrook was a one or two score game. But I like their chances. I think they could they could do some things in that game. Uh, Tuscarora is probably the second best team in that region in broad run, having watched their game with Stonebridge. Uh, look out that quarterback Mitch Griffiths going to Wake Forest is if not the best quarterback in the state on the short list. Yeah, no, it, I mean. The frustrating thing, I, I went ahead and looked and see if they played it like every other region does, uh, mm-hmm. then we would have been playing, I say we, uh, Sharanda would have been playing <laughs> Hanley. And I love that. Once, uh, one, because we already beat Hanley, and two, I just, Hanley is by far an easier opponent in my mind than Tuscarora. And, that you know, then you play broad run. And so eventually you're going to have to play a good team. And, you know, you run into that eventually. But uh, it's frustrating from that sense. Um Tell me that Loudon Valley is going to beat Hanley. Uh, I'm not sure on that one, honestly. <laughs> I think I think I think Hanley's going to probably be the upper upper hand in that game, um, in that one. But I'm with you, Joe, on, on your point there. I, I would like to see them seed at one through eight. I don't like the one, two, three, four. I don't like the way they seeded it with um, with the two districts there because no other region does that. Just yeah, like I'm, I'm not weird. crazy about, I'm not crazy about in five, and I'm sure this is a discussion that can go on for a long time. And people have been all over social media discussing this, you know, one and nine football teams are going to playoffs. We, we need to do something about this. And yeah. I, even if it means going to six teams, given the one and two seeds buys, I'm all for it, but we don't need one and nine teams missing the playoffs. And then in that same classification, not the same region, but the same division, we have a six and four team 
not making the playoffs from an area that has three and seven and four and 16s making the playoffs. That's not right. That needs to be addressed. And I don't care about the geography. I don't care about, you know, they make this about an equality thing. If it's an equality thing, then we're not going to have a John Marshall basketball team this coming year in two way. That's going to be beating people by 50 or 60 points in the playoffs. And yeah. they're going to be, I'm not telling you it might happen. It's going to happen. It's, it's something <laughs> that needs to be addressed and looked at. And ultimately I, I think that, we're getting to a stage where more and more coaches and administrators are going to say, all right, we've got some things. This system just need to be, you know, I know the enrollment is the reason, but ultimately that's not the answer or the solution to this problem that exists where we have teams making the playoffs that years ago never had a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, they, the more teams make it. I mean, that's, that's the new thing. And uh, I know Playing less games seems like something that's not going to happen, but I, I do wonder if you just go back to four playoff games, how much that would fix this problem. Well, when we have running clock margins, I would be interested to see after this week, and I might figure this out, the average margin of victory for the whole state opening round from Class 6 down to Class 1, and, and compare that to 10 years ago, and I'm willing to bet you it's wider because, A, like you said, we have more teams, but more is not always necessarily better, and two – I feel like, I mean, just a situation where a team's not going to go to the playoffs. We're going to have situations where we have two and eight and one and nine teams. They don't want to show up to play the 10 and 0 team that they know is going to beat their brains yeah. and potentially that they lost to during the regular season by 42, 49 points. It's just not, it's not as competitive and it doesn't, it's not as rewarding in a sense for the playoffs. You say, congratulations, you're in the postseason with a one and nine record. Well, what did you really do to earn your way in there? Right. I would like, I know I'd like in class one, just seeing Riverheads every year. I'd like class one to somehow go back to the 16 team um, East and West because it just seemed to provide more competitive results. I, I felt like uh, just a couple years ago, uh, these regions, Riverheads have sailed through the region kind of with the exact same pairings the last couple of years. And that even this year when they threw in some teams that used to be in region a, um, it, it looks like it's gonna be a pretty similar route as well. But I mean, also Riverheads is on a historic run, but I just I think it would be nice to have different teams playing every single year, even if you got to travel a little bit further. I, I think it's better for the product. Well, you make an interesting point, not to just beat a dead horse here, but okay. So, and I would be all for that too. I'm with you on that. You know, we have a matchup in Region 6A where Franklin County is playing Lancetown High School. It's a four-five game, and they're playing on a Friday night, not on a Saturday. And they played this game in this region. Uh, two years, two or three years ago in basketball on a Wednesday night, and it was an over four hour trip on a Wednesday night, a school oh. night for Lansdowne to make. Now Franklin County makes this trip of four plus hours for a region playoff game. So don't tell me that this is done for travel purposes when you contradict yourself with that. And then in basketball this past year, George Washington Danville's playing Riverside up at, I believe it was Stonebridge High School in the four, in the uh, class four state quarterfinals. And that was a four-plus-hour trip because it doesn't yeah. apply to every situation. Lancaster played Eastside a few years back as well in a state quarterfinal at uh, UVA-wise. It was six-and-a-half hours for travel. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it's almost like the college football playoff where they make an argument to say, all right, this is why Clemson didn't get in the top four, but then they contradict themselves when that applies to Georgia Oregon seeding or so forth. Well, they use one argument for one thing, but it's not consistent across the board. That's the thing that disappoints me. All right, looking, going up a level here, going to the college ranks. And I know we, we have you on here a couple of weeks earlier than this is happening, but we're going to make you make a pick today. Virginia Tech, 
UVA. They're going to play in football on Friday after Thanksgiving. Who you got? I tell you what, it's 15 years running. The Hokies have been a lot better here lately than uh, than when they played Duke, and I, I was one of many that probably buried them after that yeah. game. Couldn't believe how horrible this they were. This podcast did, yeah. Yeah, well, you, I, I did it on my radio show, and I heard from some Hokie fans. And listen, they the defense rallied for Bud Foster and UVA. You know, they control their own destiny. This is what they would have dreamed for. They do miss Bryce Hall, and it showed in their last couple of games with UNC and Georgia Tech against the pass. They do have the equalizer and perhaps the best player in the field in Bryce Perkins who accounted for nearly 500 yards and scores through the air by ground against the heels. And I feel like he's going to have his day in the sun, his golden moment, and the Cavs are going to finally slay the dragon, but they're going to have to do it coming from behind to win it on a field goal at the end. So we'll go uh, for entertainment purposes. We'll go UVA 31 tech 28 tech will have a 28 to uh, we'll call it a 28 to uh, 14 lead, and UVA will come back and oh, get the win. And no show way so. that happens. I, I don't like anything that you're saying, but we'll we will kill it. Perkins. This yeah. is America. <laughs> we celebrate the fact that you're able to say whatever you want, but I don't like it. <laughs> well, hey, my college picks have not been that great this year, so I wouldn't, oh, well, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Keep talking about UVA. Yeah, tell us how good they are. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll get you out of here on uh, your favorite football movie. Oh, there's a lot of good choices from Little Giants to Longest Yard. I have to go with the one that a lot of people love. That's Remember the Titans. Yeah. I mean, it, it, had, it had so much with yeah. it. You know, Denzel Washington down. To, I mean, just the whole the whole day. And, it's, and it is state related with T.C. Yeah. Williams. So um, that one's a tough one to beat. Um, the music, there's a lot of memorable scenes in that movie. So I'll go with uh, Remember the Titans. Well, Great I also want to give you a chance to uh, – you already talked about your radio show, but go ahead and plug your Twitter and your radio show and anything else you got going. Sure, I appreciate that. They can um, listen to my radio show uh, weeknights at the 757 at 6. We talk a lot of local sports, high school, college, you name it, anything you want. From 6 to 7 p.m. on ESPN Radio 94.1, it can be picked up on the web at ESPNRadio941.com. Of course, I do work with VirginiaPreps.com, part of the Rivals Network, powered by Yahoo Sports. They can read all of our – Playoff content, our recaps, our video interviews, our blogs, you name it. Recruiting news too up there at virginiapreps.com. They can sign up for less than 100 bucks for the year, less than 10 bucks for the month. And then I do some periodic work for the, for the uh, Suffolk News Herald as well as the ACC Sports Journal, which they can find on the web at accsports.com, suffolknewsherald.com. My own Twitter is uh, Hatfield Sports, so give me a follow, Hatfield Sports. Feel free to reach out to me anytime. I won't bite, so there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good follow, folks, and he's great at oh, yeah. putting all that high school information out there, so – you can follow and it's not just here in Augusta County where sometimes we get in that bubble. And like we said, we asked it, you heard us ask him about Buckingham. We don't know about Buckingham. Matt Hatfield does know about Buckingham. So Matt, we thank you for coming on and talking high school football playoffs with us. And I'm sure we'll have you on when it gets to be basketball season again. Absolutely. Enjoy it, uh, Joe and Leland and a uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Thank you. You Thanks, too. Man. All right, and again, thanks to Matt Hatfield for joining us and talking some high school football again. We we are probably going to bring him back on for high school basketball as well because I know it might fool you with how just his depth of knowledge with high school football, but his favorite sport is actually basketball. I mean, that's just a pile of information flying at you from every different direction, and he's not looking at notes. He's just whipping that stuff out left and right. Player stat lines from some team on the other side of the state from – you know, what's close to him, what he hosts a radio show talking mainly about every day. He knows this side of the state too. It's just 
that's impressive. I, we don't know Augusta County as well as he knows the entire state. So uh, credit to that guy. He's awesome. I'm glad to have him on. Um, glad for everything he puts out there because uh, we study up on it so we know anything. Uh, so w- w- no disrespect to the to the usual gang that's on here every other week, but he's one of our best guests for a reason. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, if it's okay right. with you, Leland, I would actually like to do what's dominating my life first because what's dominating your life piggybacks off what I need to know. So I mean, I guess I'm being dominated. Yep. Uh, <laughs> what is dominating my life? I'm not going to touch that. Um, but is the Liverpool Football Club again? Uh, we I had listener, loyal listener Rob over. On Ron Rob. He came over. Uh, he missed the first two goals because he was busy doing all that great work he does. But then when he finally came over, he got to see Liverpool put the final nails in Can't the coffin. Uh, Shando <laughs> Awards and Apparel. Yeah, great job. Good business. Good shirts. Good signs. Anything you need, go to him. Um, but anyway, there's the unofficial sponsor for the Exports podcast. But Liverpool FC put the final nails in Man City there at Anfield. Uh, it was marvelous. Um, I, again, my brother stayed over Sunday morning to watch it. It was amazing. I loved it. I know Rob didn't love the outcome, but we had a great time. We talked a lot about, you know, just that match. We tried to solve U.S. Soccer Federation problems. We tried to solve, you know, some other problems going on in other sports. Uh, but, you know, it, it's always a fun time when you're watching with friends and family in a in a sporting event. But to watch Liverpool just be this good. They're up nine points on Man City. They were up more on Man City at this later in the year than they are right now. But I said last week, if Liverpool wins this match at Anfield, I think they're winning the league. They won this match. I feel even more confident that Liverpool is going to go on and win the league. Last year, we did not beat Man City. Uh, this year, we have. And I'm, you know, we might lose when we go to Manchester City on the reverse fixture on April 4th. Keep your calendars, Mark, Robin, Leland. But... I do like Liverpool's chances. Yeah, April 4th. It's a long season, Leland. Uh, I do like our chances to win the league. Well, I'm happy your team won. Me too, I'm going to start cheering with Rob. I think he pisses me off less. No, Manchester City. We will talk about this off podcast. Manchester City are not people to root for. I like Rob. Liverpool FC is owned by Americans. Ron's a good guy. Liverpool FC is owned by Americans. Sport the American club. All right. Can I talk about Blacksburg now? Yeah, go ahead. I don't know how this piggybacks off you, but I went to Blacksburg and had a great time. We don't get there as often. Uh, and honestly, this was my wife's first trip since we only had one kid. So it's been a while. <laughs> and uh, so we had a nice little Saturday, a couple hours away from screaming kids and uh, diaper changing. And it was nice. And we got to catch up with old college friends and hang out with them and uh, had great seats for the game. And what was really cool was during the game, it was pretty much we love Bud, Fest, Bud Foster Day in Lane Stadium. They had pregame. They had every quarter break and it breaks throughout. They were showing old highlights and old old stuff and people talking about them. And it was awesome. And I think the combination of that. Frank Beamer being there and then just the kind of win it was and the defensive stops and the turnovers, it just felt old school. And I haven't had that feeling because I've really only been at the Ohio state and Notre Dame and Clemson games these last couple of years where we, we have gotten beat by better teams, but it was, it was an old feeling there. 
The fans were great. Uh, they they have this new thing I think picked up on last week where if they just play Inner Sandman kind of one uh, verse longer than the second chorus, they can cut it and the whole stadium sings it at the same time, which is just it lets you know we're all on the same page. We're all about to do this. And it's really cool. So I was uh, very pumped when that game began. Our offense started slow, so I retreated in my pumped up, but I was ready to go once we came out in the second half, started playing better, getting those turnovers. So it was a great day in Blacksburg, um, fairly good weather. It was supposed to be really cold, but it, it kind of was all right, dressed appropriately. But um, Lane Stadium, something to see. And I think no matter who you're a fan of, if you play against Tech, go there for an away game because it's, it's just a cool environment and it's kind of old school in, in a lot of ways. They have started pumping in more video board and, and music uh, through there, but I, I think it helps the entertainment value. It kind of evens everything out, so maybe some of the younger people like it more, and I think the older people are staying involved maybe a little bit better too. So I think um, it's a good game day environment. Get to Blacksburg for a game, and I can't wait to get back down there too. Probably not going to be this season, but uh, I can't wait till next year when I make it down. Yeah, it's going to be a. That's always a great atmosphere. It's been years since I've been to Blacksburg now too, but it is just so fun to be able to go there in Lane Stadium and rock with sixty six thousand other Hokies. But yeah, the reason mine piggybacks off yours is one: we didn't get to see the Inner Sandman entrance because ACC Network thought it was more important at three thirty instead of going right to Blacksburg at three thirty when the team is coming out to Inner Sandman to keep on belaboring their pregame for Duke Notre Dame which is a game at seven o'clock which look if you want to have your version of college game day on ACC network fine knock yourselves out put it in it put it before the noon game though put it at 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. or whatever you got to do don't have it at 3 30 or 3 o'clock because then I'm listening to EJ Manuel and two other nameless chuckleheads Talking about Duke Notre Dame, which I know isn't going to be a game. You're trying to sell it to me like I'm stupid. I know they're going to get killed by Notre Dame. You know they're going to get killed by Notre Dame. Don't make me late getting to Blacksburg to see Inner Sandman because you're talking about Duke's quarterback, who I don't even remember the name of, because he's a nobody and their team is nobodies. And David Cutcliffe is about to get fired because guess what? After they beat Virginia Tech, everyone figured out, huh, Duke's not actually that good. And they started beating Duke because guess what? Duke's not actually that good. So who cares about this game? Nobody cared. The ACC network, while I just bash Flow Sports, is a better network in the sense that more people get to see it. They have better teams to talk about. But, oh my gosh, that was the first time I think I've actually sat down and tried to watch a football game from start to finish on ACC network. And I wanted to break my television because they couldn't get to the game quick enough. Get to the game. Get to the announcers. Show the entrance. Show the crowd. That's what college football is about. It's not about three guys sitting in an empty Wallace Stadium, which they could have went ahead and kept talking at their desk during the game. It still would have been an empty Wallace Stadium before the game, four hours before the game. No one cares about Duke football. Nobody cares. Not even people that live in Durham care about Duke football. So stop talking about it. Also, at halftime, I heard, and I like, you know, Leland and I do radio, which is not a surprise to anyone. But what? Sometimes when I'm watching other people, I try to watch things and pick up on other things other people do as, hey, that's good. Or, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe it works for that guy, but I don't I didn't particularly like that. The guy, one of the nameless clowns that kept me from getting to enter Sandman was also doing halftime. And he said something that I don't understand and is also just generally not safe. He said, (laughs) 
he said, if you aren't, and I don't even remember what he was talking about. I don't think it was the Virginia Tech Wake Forest game. I think it had to do with Duke North Notre Dame. And, uh, and he said, if you aren't buckled up, sit in the back seat. To which my first reaction, I looked at my brother. My first reaction was, well, no, even if you're in the back seat, you should be wearing a seatbelt because it's the law. And also it's the most safe thing to do. But B, how does that even relate to anything that is being talked about right now? I, I didn't understand it in the slightest. I didn't get it at all. And I just wanted, you know, I'm not the biggest Adam Sandler fan, but I did just want that Billy Madison moment where some where the guy comes out and goes, you were awarded zero points. It's literally the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and God have mercy on your soul. I mean, I didn't understand it in the slightest. I mean, if it's the A team, they'd be on ESPN one. So uh, you're dealing with the the people that got promoted the, uh, from Flow Sports, <laughs> Division one AA of announcers. Which uh, hey, they're probably superior to the whatever division uh, we're playing here at ESPN twelve forty. But yeah, sometimes you know what? I shouldn't say that. Other Saturdays, I shouldn't say that because I think Flow Sports just uses whatever school people. And I've met Kurt Dudley. I've yeah, Listen to Kurt Dudley. Yeah. I like Kurt Dudley better than those people. I wish Kurt Dudley was doing ACC Network. There I said it. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love it too. All right. Uh, what I know that you need to know, and it's not anything I think our listeners uh, really need to know, it's just uh, talking about the obvious. Veterans Day uh, was Monday, and it's the time we take to honor uh, those who have served this country uh, in our military. And I just I want to take the public chance to say thank you to all veterans that may be listening or anybody that uh, has veterans in their family and um, and thank them. Thank them for their service and uh, thank the sacrifices from by them and from the people around them to allow them to do that because uh, we, we get to worry about sports every week on a podcast and uh, it really doesn't matter and it's because those people have you know put their life on the line and are ultimate um, uh, putting themselves in danger to uh, protect our country and give us the ability to have these freedoms and say what we want to say and protect our right to say whatever we want to say. Um, and, uh, so I appreciate that. And I wanted to take this moment to, to say that publicly, um, and, uh, allow you to as well, Joe. Yeah, look, I'm sure you're the same way, Leland. I've got many friends and, you know, older generations of family that did serve in the military and I'm very thankful for their service, but I want to take a special moment to thank Tom Jacobs. He's a guy who comes on here. Oh, yeah. He's, he has served. Um, he is. Uh, and as far as I know, he's the only veteran we've had that's come on the podcast. Um, but I do want to take time to, you know, yeah. give him a shout out since he has not only come on, but he has also served our military and, you know, thanks to Tom and all, as you said, Leland, all the veterans who have served this country. I, I really liked him posting his old pictures too. That was awesome. Yeah, that was that, really cool to see. Awesome. So thank you, veterans, and uh, we don't say it often enough, but we will use our chance when we have it on Veterans Day and, and the other holidays uh, that we have to uh, celebrate you. We want to make sure we acknowledge you. But we will be back next week with more high school football talk as the playoffs will already be through the first round then, and uh, volleyball state playoffs will be set up by that time. So we have plenty to talk about next week. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode at, um, at Yak Sports Pod uh, on Twitter, at Yak Sports Pod on Facebook and the Exports Pod at Gmail for our email available on Podbean, Apple, Google, Spotify. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And we'll be back next week with more high school football talk for you, the Augusta County sports fan. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.